If you could please open up to Matthew chapter 6, we'll be in verses 19 through 34. Matthew 6, 19 through 34. While you're turning there, I'm just going to read verses 19 through 21, which read, don't lay up for yourselves. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor trust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21 for where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. Where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. Father, we come before you and we ask that you as we open your word, your word would open our hearts. We just pray you do your work today in your name. Amen. Well, as you know, we're in, the, in what's called the, the sermon on the Mount, just a group of teachings that Jesus has teaching his disciples. It's from Matthew chapter five to seven. And we're in the middle of that. We're in chapter six. Uh, last Sunday, we were in verses one through 18. What's the significance of that? Jesus taught on motives, the motives of those who are in the kingdom of heaven. Hopefully you're a believer. Hopefully, hopefully you've, uh, you've received Christ as your Lord and savior. And you're going, I'm following after you, Lord. And he's changed your life, right? Well, he starts to deal with our motives and Jesus wants to, he starts warning the disciples about their motives when they practice their righteousness. Cause guess what? As believers, we're going to be practicing things that glorify God. Right. And he zeroes in on three of them. He zeroes in on giving. He zeroes in on praying and he zeroes in on, on fasting. And those were three examples. And, and Jesus warned his disciples about being hypocrites in these areas, about practicing their righteousness in order to be seen by others. This is like, this is, dangerous for us as Christians. When, when, when our faith in the Lord gets turned into something where it's, it's not about the Lord anymore. It's about what everybody's seeing us do and our motives for going places and doing things and, and, and all that stuff is, is for, is just solely to please people as opposed to, to worship God and to honor God. That's a very dangerous thing that we can get into. It's very real. And so Jesus takes his leadership, these guys who he's going to hand over the keys of the kingdom to, to go preach in the church and all that stuff. He goes, you guys need to not be hypocrites. Don't do what the religious leaders in the church are doing right now, or in the, in the Jewish synagogues are doing right now. Don't be hypocrites. They're practicing all these things to be seen by people because their hearts are set on the praise of men, not on God. And we have to ask ourselves, why do we do what we do for the kingdom? As much as we want to go to church for our husband or our wife or for our kids or to be in a good example, those are all good things. But why is it that we're doing what we're doing? But I didn't get very far before I got convicted there myself, right? Anybody else? <laughs> <laughs> But instead, as believers, we're to practice our righteousness in such a way that it glorifies God. And actually, that's what faith is. Faith starts in the secret place within our heart, right? And it works its way out. If it's not the outside in, it's not religion where everybody sees what's going on. It starts out between you and the Lord. The Lord comes and he saves you and you change on the inside out. You worship him when no one's looking. You, you seek him when no one's looking. You pray when no one's looking. You give in such a way that he sees and not everybody else because he's the one you're honoring and, and worshiping. He's the one you're seeking reward from, not everybody else. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what he's saying. And so it's, it's really Jesus is zeroing in on it. He's saying to his disciples, Hey, where are your hearts? Where are your hearts? 
Are you hypocrites or are you the real deal? Watch yourselves, be careful. And he gives a list of don't do these things. Now, how many of us like, don't always like the do nots. Well, God has to help us sometimes and make it really clear for us. Anybody else? Like you ever had that, you know, situation in your life where you're just like, I don't know. You know, it, it would be really helpful. If someone just said, don't do this. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. That's what God does. He comes into his disciples and says, Hey man, don't do these things, but do these things. And so he's really just laying out what it's like to be operating as a child in the kingdom of God. And that's what we all desire to be disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. And what does that look like? And so he starts with the motives and continuing on in that, in that vein, this morning, Jesus expounds uh, upon this in verse 19 through 21. I already read it, but I'll read it again. It says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where neither free uh, thieves or uh, breaking in steel for where your treasure is, your heart will be also right. Again, Jesus is warning us about where our hearts are. Where's your heart? And nothing is more revealing about where our hearts are than by what we treasure, by what we treasure. What do you treasure this morning? In the verses before Jesus revealed, uh, revealed that hearts were, were revealed by, by what we were, we're by seeking rewards of men. And Jesus says, listen, if you're doing it in this way, it's showing that your heart is not for God. It's for actually seeking do, uh, by seeking the praise of men. That's what your heart is after. You want the praise and the adoration and the acceptance and the rewards of men. That's what it's showing. You know, how you practice your righteousness, it shows who you are. Now Jesus moves to the issue of how, how uh, we treat our treasures. It reveals our heart, where our heart's affections lie. And so Jesus warns in verse 19, he says, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth because man, it's just not a good investment. Paraphrasing, right? Jesus says, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth. Now, right off the bat, don't think that Jesus is saying that earthly possessions are intrinsically bad. That is not what Jesus is saying. Someone would take that kind of view and say, all material possessions are bad. You've got to go be a monk on a hill and give everything, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's not what Jesus is saying in this verse. That's not what he's saying. He isn't saying you can't have a house. He's not saying you can't have a car. He's not saying you can't have a bank account or retirement account. Jesus is not saying that earthly possessions are bad. He's saying you can't, he's not saying you can't have them. He said, they better not have you. There's a big difference. And we can lie to ourselves a lot about the semantics and all that. What he is saying is, is, is for us not to lay up our treasures on earth. Don't do not treasure for yourself. Treasures on earth more literally. Don't make your treasures, the treasures on earth. Make sense. The word for lay up is the idea of accumulating accumulating. Do not accumulate earthly treasures. Don't make your life's pursuit about the accumulation of earthly stuff. No matter what it is. Why not? Well, Jesus gives us one reason why Jesus warns that the nature of earthly treasure is temporary, fading and insecure. How many of you have stuff? How many of you spend a great deal of time maintaining your stuff? Anyone, I mean, this is like earth 101. 
Jesus is like entropy, right? <laughs> He's all, I want you to understand entropy. I want you to understand the nature of stuff. And in, in those days, Jesus speaks of, he uses examples of things that would eat into your treasures. He goes, well, well moths and rust. How many of you say, how many of your translations say moths and worms? I don't know. Maybe that was just a weird thing I read. Anyways, um, <laughs> Moths and rust. Okay. We, we know that the idea is what well, clothing clothing would have been a, a symbol of wealth in those days. How many of us have more than one set of clothes? You're rich. <laughs> You're rich, right? To have two sets of clothes or five or 10 or 15 or one for every occasion. I mean, we live in Disneyland. So what, what, what's going on here is, is he said people would have clothes and they would store them up and they would keep them because they were worried about not having stuff for tomorrow because it's a brutal world, right? And so they go ahead and they store up all the stuff. And what happens is you pull out your winter coat and you open it up and there's a big old hole in it. The moths got to it. They ate through it, you know, and that's the idea is that, uh, you know, that, that your clothes were rendered worthless by things that were out of your control, so to speak. And, and the same with thieves. These come in and take valued stuff. How many of you had your stuff broken into and you know, your cars and stuff stolen off your front porch. And I've, you know, same car stolen twice used to go steal stuff. And I'm like, just return it. Like, come on, man. <laughs> Sorry. San Diego. Yeah. I, I had that happen to me twice. The same car stolen twice. It was pretty, it was pretty weird, but the idea is that laying up earthly, by the way, I mean, it's like I should have paid them to steal it. It was bad. But the idea is that laying, <laughs> laying up earthly treasures, it's a bad investment. It's a bad long term. If your life is about investing on earth, and I know, guess what? Everybody's doing it. Do you know that? Everybody in here has earthly treasure, tre treasures and earthly investments. And this is why Jesus is saying that. It's a bad long-term investment. It's all going away. It's all temporary. It's all fading. It's all vulnerable. That's Jesus's point. Amen. Amen. I know it hits hard, doesn't it? However, Jesus says in, to us in, in verse 20, he says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Notice two different locations, right? Where neither moth nor rust destroy and where neither thieves, they don't break in and steal. All right. And here is where Jesus wants us to lay up our treasure. He says, this is where I want you to invest. This is where I want your hearts to be. I want you to lay up your treasures in heaven. I want you to lay up your treasures where your heart should be with your father. We're going to go, we're going to see this over and over here in, in chapter six, but we are either focused on earth or we are focused on heaven. And, and by the way, revelation study, you've got two groups of people. You've got the earth people and you've got those who are heavenly minded and the earth people. They love the earth so much. They want the rocks to fall on them in the end. It's pretty bad. And by the way, it leads to the whole materialism thing. And you get into, you know, uh, Babylon, the great, which is the whole commercial economy of the world that Madison Avenue on steroids that sucks us all into all this stuff. There's a, there's a, there's a perversion of what God has intended for us when it comes to materialism, the worship of materialism, as opposed to the usefulness of materialism for God's glory and his kingdom. But 
We're either focused on earth or, or we're focused on God. We're either focused on God or we're focused on men, like the praise of men or the praise of God. We're either focused on earthly rewards or heavenly rewards. And this is what Jesus keeps it. He's, he's repeating here. And he says to his disciples, invest in the kingdom, lay up for your treasures in heaven. They're secure there. No moths, no rust, no thieves. Imagine that. I mean, how many people are trying to sell you something to protect your stuff that isn't that you, so other people won't take it. And you know, in your heart of hearts that they're going to hack it and it's going away anyways. I mean, how many of you have gotten a new credit card or a new uh, bank bank card in the last, like they, they just like they issue them all the time. Like it seems like once a year, some card is getting replaced because someone hacked and took all their information, right? All this kind of stuff. But Jesus says to disciples, invest in the kingdom, lay up your treasures that are secure. No moths, no rust, totally secure. The idea is that earth and everything in it is fading. And he wants us to have that mentality as his disciples. This is temporary. Treat it that way. It's temporary. It's going away. Don't treat it like it's eternal. Don't invest your heart in things that are going away. Don't put your heart there primarily. You know, we have this idea of, you know, eternal security or, or things that are, that heaven is, a, is an eternal place. Uh, we get some insight into our, our, uh, our treasure being eternally safe by how Peter discusses our, uh, our inheritance, two different things. You've got things you're investing, but things that are given to you and you're in- inherited, right? And we know inheritances are given to us by nature of a relationship to someone else. Right. And, and what Peter's talking about here in first Peter chapter one, verses three and four, he's talking about the inheritance we have in Christ Jesus. And it's the same idea about the nature of that inheritance. The way it's secure is the way that our, our heaven, our, our treasures invested in heaven are secure. He says this regarding our inheritance. He says, first Peter chapter one, three through four, he says, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a living hope. It's not a dead hope. It's a living hope. And he, and he goes in verse four and here's the crux to an inheritance that is imperishable imperishable. Think of things around you that perish. Everything here. People are 1990s track lighting. Light bulbs are going out. Some of your light bulbs are going out. It was awesome at the time, right? I'm thankful for it, but it's temporary, right? Imperishable. He says it's imperishable. Uh, it's undefiled. It's unstained. It's unfading. And it's kept for you. And it goes on to say by the power of God, nothing can touch it. Nothing can touch your inheritance in Christ Jesus. It is secure. And so too, God wants your heart, my heart to be set on those things that aren't going to fade your treasures, invest them in heaven. Invest your treasures in heaven because they aren't going to fade. They aren't going to spoil. This is the idea of storing up our treasures. And we'll get more into what those are in just, in just a minute. But this is what Jesus is getting at in verse 20, 21. It lays the, the crux of it. He says this for where your treasure is, what 
there your heart will be also. You know, what your treasure reveals is where your heart is. Isn't that interesting? You flip those both ways. This is don't treasure the things on earth. Don't make your treasure the treasure of the things on earth. Treasure the things in heaven. So where is our treasure? Where is our treasure? Think about that. They say, if you want to know what someone treasures, look at what they spend their money and their time on. Where's your treasure? Where is our heart invested? Is it in heaven on earth? What's your earthly portfolio look like? What's your heavenly portfolio look like? Now we're not good at understanding either of those things quite often, but I mean, you kind of got a sense. The point being that Jesus says here, you can't have your heart in two places. You can't have your heart in two places. Do you hear that? If someone's like far away right now, you can't have your heart in two places. Either it's in his hands or you're, you're out in the world. He wants to have your heart in his hands, secure and fading. Amen. Amen. And then he jumps to this weird section here. Verse 22. It's hard to catch, but check it out. It says the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the, if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? How many of you read that and you go, what are you, where are you going with this? Jesus, it's a little confusing. Anybody? Just me. Okay. Well, let me explain what I learned. (laughs) It seems a little out of place, but he's still talking about your heart. And he uses the analogy of an eye to explain the condition of a heart. You know, if you have great eyesight, then guess what? You can see and light fills your body. You, You can, you can see, right? But if you're blind, darkness fills your body. So, so too with your heart. If you're spiritually alive, Man, you have life that happens. Your decisions that you make, the the aim and the direction and your motives and all these things, there's life in it. But if you're spiritually dead, guess what? It's darkness. And how great is that darkness? Jesus says, what does that lead to? How does that, how is that manifested in your life? That's the idea. And back to verse 24, Jesus brings us back to the issue. And here's what he's talking about. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters for neither for either. He will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money or God in mammon, God in, in wealth. How many of us have been caught up in Christian financial planning? And it's always build wealth so that you can give like no one else has given. Man, you better watch out. What's your life built on your heart? Now I'm not against being wise and in, in, in planning all that stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. Some of us need more wisdom in those areas, but, but when we don't know what we're doing, look to what Jesus says as the example. Amen. (laughs) Don't go start building your life on a platform and get to the end and go, Oh, now I have all this stuff, but I don't want to give because my heart's been built on wealth. It's my God. It's who I, it's, it's all about me. Right. I think there's some verses about given it shall be given. I don't know. So it's kind of backwards maybe. Um, 
But again, just like verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You can't have your heart in two places. You can only have one master. Same thing. You're either going to have a good eye or a bad eye. Make sense? If you've got a bad eye, you're serving the wrong master. That's where your heart direction is going to go. You love stuff. That's your God. And see, there's a big picture here. The Pharisees, their heart wasn't for God. They had bad eyes and it was shown in how they lived. How did they live? Well, they did things so people would see them and praise them. They served God. They were, they betrayed Jesus for money, right? I mean, they got Judas to do these things. They, they were, they did horrible things in the temple. They had the money changing going on. We can go on and on and on and all that stuff. When we get to chapter 23, Jesus does all the woes about the Pharisees and how this is true. We won't do that right now, but. But he says there, you can't have your heart in two places, you know, so too, you can't have two masters. You can't serve God and money. Man, let us have ears to hear here. Jesus gives us some indicators here about what kind of grip either God or money has on our hearts. He uses words like love and devotion and hate and despise love and devotion, hate and despise. These are the verses that Jesus uses. He uses those with the imagery of having two masters. Now, in those days, there were servants and masters. That was the employment force. Okay. So just forget the politics of it. That's just, that's the terminology he's using today it would be employee employer. You can't have two employers. How many of you have two employers and what do you find yourself doing with those two employers that you equally report to? You love one and you hate the other. You despise one and you cherish the other. You know, and Jesus is just saying this, this is like, I'm talking to you about human nature. You can't help but gravitate towards one authority in your life. And that's the idea. He's not doing exhaustive teaching on, on employment. That's not what he's doing, but you can't have two bosses. Jesus says the same with God and money. You can't serve keyword, serve God and money. By the way, the word for money here is not just dollars. It's wealth. It's, it's mammon. That's the idea. It's just the, the stuff he's been talking about. You're going to love one and you're going to despise the other. You're either going to love God or you're going to love stuff. You know that. And this is why false teachers want to separate you from your money. Make sense? Because what are they after? And they wrap it up in faith and they wrap it up in you're going to be blessed because you're going to give and, and, but what's at the root of that? The love of money. I don't know everybody's heart, but that's, that's generally how it works. The love of money. You're going to love one and you're going to despise the other. Well, obviously Jesus here is calling us to love God. He wants you to love God. Amen. Amen. Love God to have our hearts and our affections, our devotions in him to store up treasures in him to do it differently than the world does it. That's what he's calling us to do. You're different. You've been called out. You're disciples of Jesus Christ. You're not like the world anymore. Now, like the disciples, we're learning. Anyone else? Like we got transferred into the kingdom of God, yet we live in the kingdom of men. So how does that God teaches us as we're going on? That's what he's doing. And so he's warning them says, Hey, don't do this, do this. Because guess what this shows? Shows where your heart is, man. You don't want a heart there. You want it with God. I know you want it with God. That's where you want it. So do this. And he's encouraging them. And again, 
This means that money and possessions have no place of affection in the heart of the, of the disciples of Jesus Christ. It is not their master. It's not who we serve. Again, it's not that we can't have possessions. It's that they better not have us. Amen. And our lives are not lived for the pursuit of more things, earthly security, earthly treasure, which are all fading, but rather for the glory of God and his eternal promises and his treasure. And so if we actually live that way, if you actually live not for money and it's not your master and you actually live for God and you follow him and money is not your driving force of everything of why you do and the accumulation of stuff and making sure you have enough for tomorrow and all this kind of stuff. If you actually just let that go and you start to follow God and make him God of your life, what kind of wells up in your heart on the negative side? Anybody? Fear. Yeah, great. People understand what that's scary because my whole life has been work to save, to make sure I have enough to make sure that I have enough and all this kind of stuff. And, and there's this constant rat race of your life of, of, of your own self provision and all this type of stuff. And if you just start to trust God in your life for those things, now I'm going to get to, this is not a call to be lazy. I got to balance all this stuff these days, right? But if you start to do that, you're going to start to experience some questions. And these are the questions rolling around in the disciples hearts and minds and probably ours as well, as they had a choice to make what welled in with uh, within them is worry and anxiety. And Jesus knew it. They started to worry. Remember these guys gave up everything and they follow Jesus. They left the fishing business behind. They really stepped out and started following the Lord in the call that he had on their life. Now he's not calling everybody to do that, but he's calling you to live like that. And as they did, they started to worry about things. And Jesus knows this. He's taking men who were living in darkness and blindness in the kingdom of men to living in light as sons in the kingdom of their father. And he's doing the same with you, sons and daughters. Amen. And he knows this. He's taking them from fear to faith. And so Jesus says to them in verse 25, what does he say? Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious. Another do not. Don't be anxious about what? Your life. Well, what's, what's kind of your life? Well, what you, will, what you eat, what you drink, or about your body, or what you will put on. How many of us need that as a life verse? Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. What you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or about your body, what you're going to put on. This is what Jesus tells his disciples. Are you his disciple? Don't worry. Don't be anxious. You know, if, if you're, if you've chosen not to go the way of the world, if you've chosen not to make money or God, you've chosen to, to love God and to follow him. Don't worry when your heart's with him, your treasures with him. Don't worry. Widow. Don't worry. 
person on one income, don't worry. Person who's struggling, who's failed, all that kind of stuff. Don't worry. Lean into him. Trust him. Just think about that. And Jesus wants to drive it home. Verse 25 B in the middle there is life. Not more than food and the body more than clothing. Like most people in those days, they woke up to go to work, to get food and clothing for their families. And they woke up to go to work, to get food and clothing for their families and the place to eat. And they woke up to get food and clothing for the families and it is a brutal world. And so they stored up stuff in fear of the day that they would not have. Now it's not saying that you don't store up. It's not saying you don't be wise and have investments, all that kind of stuff that you got to, we got to balance all that stuff. But what Jesus is talking about is trusting in those things. That is your trust. That is where your faith is. That is what your life is about. You are a prepper not a truster, but I'm trusting through prepping. Ah, really? So just kind of, you know, have fun with that. But anyways, <laughs> but what these guys were doing is they lived in such a, a way that they, they were storing up things for themselves and they, their hearts began to trust in those things. They trusted in their 401k. They trusted in their retirement account. They trusted in their extra this or that and their storage stuff. And Jesus says, man, you know, tomorrow you could get Russia just rolling across the border and it's all gone. Tomorrow you can have, you know, some government edict and it's all gone. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. You don't know. You don't just, these are untrustable things. Don't make your life about them. That's not life. And that was what the disciples life was rooted in. It was, they had an anxious life. It seems, and they worried and Jesus is teaching them. And Jesus says, listen, isn't life more than that? Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And in this society, I mean, of course, we're not more valuable than a bird. Yes, you're more valuable than a bird and your dog and your cat, by the way. I know, I know I'm getting on weird ground here. (laughs) You're more valuable. And yet your father takes those things that are less valuable and he takes care of them. How much more will he take care of you? See, you got to know your father. Do you know your father? Do you know him? And this is what Jesus is showing you. He's showing me. This is the God we have. This is our heavenly father. And notice he says there in verse 26, and yet your heavenly father, your heavenly father, that's the key. Is he your heavenly father? Is your heart in his hands? Are you not of more value than they? Why would you spend your life worrying and storing up stuff? Don't you know your, your heavenly father? I'll take care of you. I'll give you food. Now this is not a call to be lazy. We already know that Peter says uh, that Paul says, listen, if you don't work, you don't eat. If you're an able-bodied person, you need to be working. If you're not, it's sin. God in the garden created you to work. 
work. It's for his glory. It's also an, uh, an opportunity for you to go ahead and evangelize the lost that are around you work. Amen. So I want to make that clear, but that's not all there is. That's not what life is about. And he's doing the opposite here. It says, listen, the birds went and they got the worm, but it was God who provided it for them. So trust in God, not in stuff. Amen. Amen. Verse 27, and which of you being anxious can add a single hour to your lifespan or change the color over here. Apparently you can do that now, but uh, some of your translations talk about that making you taller. They're trying to translate that span issue. What, what is it? Again, Jesus is just appealing to common sense here. Worrying anxiety. You don't add time to your, you think you do. There's all these studies out there, but your life is in God's hands. Worrying and anxiety. They do nothing for you. Disciple. There's nothing you can do by worrying and storing up and all that stuff to extend your life. Verse 28. And, and why are you anxious about clothing? Again, we live in such, such luxurious days where we have so much. Listen, we are Americans in a generation that has, I mean, talk about privilege. We are all privileged, like beyond, beyond, beyond. And I'm not, I'm just saying we are how many of you have spent time in the third world? Yeah. It's a wake up call to how the world has existed for time and eternity. It's different. You know, we're, we're, com we're complaining about our lattes and, and what they got, what got wrong. And, you know, these people, these disciples, they were worrying about their clothes, what they were going to wear. And Jesus says, don't worry about your clothes. Why are you worrying about your clothes? Look at the, look at the things that are temporary that God takes care of. Look at the, the field that's in front of you. Consider the lilies of the field, verse 28, and how they grow. Neither, they neither toil nor spin. Again, they neither toil nor spin. Uh, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory, so the greatest, one of the greatest kings in all of Israel's history, who had everything at his disposal, and I won't get into all that, but even Solomon, all his glory was not arrayed like one of these and all of his clothes and everything he had, man, he, the, the, the fields and Jesus says, he says, they're, they're more glorious than Solomon and all his glory. And by the way, the field is here today, gone tomorrow, beautiful green out there in the Walla Walla Hills. Now it's all brown and gone. It's going to be burnt soon, Right. It's going to be thrown in the oven. How much more will he clothe you? And here's the issue oh, of little faith. Jesus says, if God's so attentive to something that's temporary, won't he take care of you? Listen, some of you are living your lives in fear. You live each day in fear. You live in fear and God is, is wanting to free you from that. He's wanting you to know who he is and his total provision for your life. Trust God for your food. Trust God for your clothing. Yes, get up and go to work, but trust him. Put him first in your life. And this is what he's going for. The key to overcoming anxiety is trust. It's faith. That's how you get rid of anxiety, not medication in the long run. It's, it's trusting God. Putting truth in the place of lies. 
And so Jesus is teaching them. Verse 31, therefore, don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Why? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows what you need, that you need all of them. Listen, this kind of stuff that typifies people who don't know God. This is what their lives are about. The pursuit of these things, the accumulation of this stuff, the trust in that stuff. That's not you. Trust in God. Trust in God. If Jesus tells us not to worry what we're going to eat and drink, we don't need to send our lives worrying about it, do we? Trust him. It changes your life and your pursuits and your time and what you're focused on. You can actually be, be focused on things that matter eternally right now. It's pretty cool. Verse 33. Here's the key in closing. What, what Jesus wants us to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Listen, Jesus knows what you need. The father knows what you need. He knows your food and your clothes. He knows you need a vacation. He knows, he knows he's just so good. He's like, your heavenly father knows what you need. And here's what he says. You can't have two masters. You can't have your heart in two places. Give me your heart. Seek me first. Seek my kingdom and my righteousness. That means in, that's not in place of, or instead of going to work. That's as I am number one, let that flow into everything you do into your work and your relationships, into how you view money and everything. Put me number one and I'll take care of all the number twos in your life. I will take care of you. It's pretty cool, huh? Verse 34. Don't be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is the day of its own trouble. And this ties back to the Lord's prayer. Give us today our daily bread, not tomorrow's bread, today's bread. God just wants you to trust him today. Why? Because the God of today is the God of tomorrow. Amen. So what are you anxious about church? What are you nervous about? What's number one in your life and my life? Do you know your heavenly father wants your heart in his hands? Run to him, return to him, confess where you've put these other things first, put it him in the rightful place of Lord of your life and let the other things be sorted out by him. Amen. And there's a lot of questions there. And by the way, we should ask them about investing and saving and wisdom and all those type of things. I'm not dismissing those things. I'm focusing on the main thing that we would make the main thing, the main thing. Amen. But if your heart is being stirred this morning and you feel like you've got a conflicting boss in there, don't push it aside and go, oh, okay, well, I'm good because I said, I love God. No. Do you love him the way that he says, are you devoted to him? That's how he's, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. Are you devoted to him? Do you follow him? Do you put him first? And the things that he cares about, do you care about? When he asks you to invest, do you invest? When he asks you to give, do you give? When he asks you to pray, do you pray? When he asks you to go, do you go? Amen? No amens. <clears throat> I know you're just an amen. Deep thought, right? 
So one of the joys we have every month is we come to the table for communion. And so we're just going to end in communion and what Jesus has done through his blood, through his body is without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins and his body was broken by his stripes were healed. And through his act on the cross, he tore the veil of separation between us and a holy God. And so where we all fall short, he absolutely jumped over whatever we could. And so we rejoice that he has made a way to the father through his sacrifice. You have direct access to your heavenly father who loves you, who is your provision, who is your provider. He is your Jehovah Jireh. Amen. He's the one who wants to take care of your deepest needs, your wounds, all these types of things. God is alive and he sent his son and he bled out and died to draw you close to him and just run into his presence with thanksgiving and cry out to him and give him your heart and enjoy the fellowship and the provision of your father. And as he lays these things on your heart, don't run away, but say, Lord, what do you want to do with this? It's a mess, but I hear you're in the business of, writing wrongs and fixing messes and enjoy him. And so I'm going to play guitar for a minute. And what I want you to do or encourage you to do is just grab, yeah, just come up to the tables individually, grab the cups and bring them back, um, bring them back to your seats and just contemplate for a minute. And then we'll take them together. Okay. When everybody's had them. Amen.